And the word of the Lord reads, John chapter 5, starting with verse 1, reads as this. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem a sheep gate by a pool, which is called in the Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches, verse 3. And these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed. In your King James Version, you may have halt, waiting for the troubling or the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Verse 5, now a certain man who had an infirmity 38 years. They used to say 38 long years. Yeah, when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he already had been in that condition a long time. Jesus said to this man, do you want to be made well or do you want to be made whole? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Verse 8, Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. This morning, I want to talk about, Lord, is it time for me to change my mattress? Lord, is it time to change my mattress? Father God, we thank you and give you glory. We honor you. We magnify you. We glorify you. Now, God, we ask that you cleanse us, take us out of ourselves, and use us for your glory. For God, you alone receive the glory in this season and every season. So use this. Sprinkle my mind, God, with your thoughts. Pepper my tongue with your conversation. Fix my eyes so I can see, God, glimpses of your glory and be able to articulate and paint it for your people. So now, God, give me glory. Give, I give you glory. I give you honor. And I give you praise. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Lord, is it time to change my mattress. I found that the average person spends about one-third of his or her life in bed. Now, I know that many of you are looking back at your time schedule, your clocks and calendars, and you say, I don't spend that much time. In fact, I want to stay there today, and I couldn't. Many of you, look around you, many of your neighbors chose the bed this morning over church. They stayed home. They stayed away. They stayed out. And many had various excuses, but the, the biggest excuse was, I'm tired. I want to sleep. I want to rest. And so, we spend a third of our lives in the bed. This equals up to approximately 220,000 hours over the course of a lifetime. So, because we spend this much time lying on the bed, it becomes very important as to what type of mattress that we sleep on. Now, when I was younger, it didn't matter to me. As long as it was soft and I had a pillow, I was fine. But I found that the older I get, the more it is important to me not to have a cheap mattress. I got to, and, I, and they are very expensive. And, and I used to get the cheap mattresses and, and put two or three of them on the bed. 
and the bed be sitting high, so high that your nose would bleed if you climbed up on them. But that was the only way I could get a quality mattress, get two or three cheap ones and put them together. Oh, don't look at me like some of y'all ain't tried that. Some of your spread won't touch the floor because you got about three cheap mattresses on your bed. You know you got to buy, you got a queen size bed, but buy king size sheets because you got two or three different mattresses on your bed. Yeah. Yeah, but the older that I get, I'm finding now that it's very important that I have the right type of mattress to sleep on. Because if I sleep on the wrong type of mattress, it, it causes me many physical problems. As much as I travel, uh, I find that I have to request a nice hotel. Because I used to didn't care, as long as it didn't, it wasn't one of them overnight hotels where people come in and leave, um, as long as it wasn't, um, you know, hourly rates uh, as part of their rating system. I used to didn't mind, but now the older I get, I need a quality hotel that has quality mattresses because if I have to spend any more than a day in that hotel, then I begin to be sore. My hips start hurting, my back and neck area starts hurting, I start having headaches. Lying on the wrong type of mattress can cause you physical problems. As many of us suffer from physical problems from laying on the, on the wrong mattress, many of us also suffer from spiritual problems for laying on the wrong mattress. Because of what we lay on, many of us are having problems keeping an upright posture. Yeah, we're having problems living right because of what we're laying on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Many, many of us are having problems resting because we're not able to relax in God because of the other things we trust. Uh, we trust what we're laying on more than we trust what God is saying in our lives. So we have a problem resting in God. Yeah, many of us have headaches, our brains hurt, we can't think right, we don't make the right decisions, we, we don't make the right judgment calls because of what we are laying on. Look at your neighbor and say, the worst thing you can have is a bad mattress. We find here in the text, I ain't going to be long, we find here in the text that Jesus walks up on a man who has, whose life has been hindered by what he lays on. Yeah, he walks to a man who has been laying on the same mattress for 38 years. 38 years worth of trusting in something that's not good for you. This man's mattress is soiled with insecurities about who he is and his own abilities. And he's laying on a soiled mattress for 38 long years. Imagine how that mattress must have smelled. Because he cannot get off of it to get changed. So he has to do everything he has to do while he's there on the mattress. There is no mattress cover. There is no mattress pad. There, there is no plastic sheet to put on your mattress. There is no crunching as you turn over. It's plain fabric that he's been laying on for 38 years. He's insecure. 
and he's laying on his insecurities. And I found that insecurity breeds fear. And fear breeds complacency. And many of us are in the place of healing but cannot receive it because we have settled for the suitable. Oh, you come to church. You're in the right place. You, you're around where people are being healed, but because you have been so comfortable with your condition, you can't receive the healing for yourself. There is a danger of us making our beds and becoming comfortable in a condition that God has not called us to conform to. In other words, I've become satisfied in a place that God never intended for me to be. I've become comfortable in an area in my life that God told me to move from a long time ago. I'm sitting still and stagnant in a place where God told me to keep it moving. Yeah, I know you're looking at me, and I didn't expect for you to say much to me today. Merry Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am stuck in on stupid. I'm stiff because of what I'm laying on. Yeah, comfort in our conditions have caused us to stop looking for change. It's just the way it is. And I'm just stuck here. So I don't look to be delivered. I don't look to be set free. I don't look to be healed. I don't look for things to get better. I am just where I am. And this is just how it is. And I'm just going to stay where I am. But I will dress it up, though. In the last decade, cosmetic surgery has boomed 700%. But what I found here when I was looking at cosmetic surgery, most uh, um, reputable cosmetic um, um, surgeons have a psychologist on staff. That before and after the surgery, they prescribe that you sit down and see a psychologist. Why is that? Because most of our, most of the things that people go to change are superficial. And it speaks to mental instability and insecurities that people have. And because of these insecurities and instabilities, we feel like we have to change who we are. And nine times out of ten, the ugly part of us is not on the outside. It's on the inside. So, so, so these doctors prescribe that you sit with a psychiatrist to make sure that what you're trying to change is only outward and not inward. And so this man is laying in his insecurities and his insecurities has caused fear and his fear has called, com- caused complacency. And we often allow our fears to empower our dysfunctions. This man has allowed himself to be comfortable in a dysfunctional environment. That means that everywhere, every, everybody that you're around are dysfunctional. I, I can prove it. The text proves it. It bears it out. It says this man was at a gate called Bethesda by the pool, but there with him was the lame, the blind, the halt, the withered, the dysfunctional. 
And everybody that he was around was all looking for the same thing he was looking for. Can I put a pin in here and tell you, you need to find you somebody that's where you trying to go. Many of us, daddy, want to be the big fish in the little pond. And so we surround ourselves with people as bad or worse than we are to make ourselves feel good. But if you're planning to go somewhere, you need to connect with somebody that's going somewhere. Look at your neighbor and say, where you going? We as, we as Christians say that we want the miracles of God to operate in our lives, yet we are not willing to release ourselves from the dysfunctions that we rest on. We want to take our mattress to the miracle. We want to take our dysfunctions to the healing table. We want to take our tumors to the place of triumph. And they don't go together. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was talking to my son, Bob. He didn't know I was going to use him in this message, but he actually inspired this message um, that I'm preaching today by a conversation that he and I had. Bob was telling me that um, he was out playing basketball. Um, he's practicing with the school team. And he was saying that he can do the moves to slip up or to, or to lose any of the players on the team. But the problem he's having is his shoes. His shoes keep slipping. So although he knows the moves to make, his shoes prohibit him from making the move with the efficiency that he can do it. Right, 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 right. The shoes that he had on are the right type of shoes for the game. But because they're worn out, they have become dysfunctional. And we're trying, just like his shoes, we're trying to make functional decisions with dysfunctional foundations. We're walking around on slippery surfaces trying to make stable decisions. What kind of foundation do you have? I can see where God wants me to go. I know the call and destiny, Jamie, that he got on my life, yet my foundation is too slippery. For me to make the move without hurting myself. So rather than fall and hurt myself, I don't try. I just lay there in my insecurity and my fears for 38 years. And for that period of time, some things that were uncomfortable, I've convinced myself that they are comfortable. Uh, it's like being somewhere stinking and getting used to the smell. Well, I came to ask you this question, and I'm going to be done. What are you resting on? What are you laying on? Does your mattress have scriptures on the front? Yet it's soiled on the inside. I need you to look at the screen very closely. I, 
our screens have the capability, we have the capability to, to go up on Facebook right now. And if I were to ask Byron to go up on the internet and click your page, would your mattress have a bunch of scriptures on the front page? Yet be soil on the inside. When I look at your mood, you got scriptures everywhere. You got inspirational sayings everywhere. But if I click your photos, I see you at the ladies club. I see you with the weed in your hand. I see you with another woman in your hand gripping her breast. I see you drunk. I see you bent over with a man standing behind you. I see you. What kind of mattress? See, everybody want to talk about that pastor that, that preached against Facebook on, at his church. But what we have done is we have grown so comfortable in our Christian dysfunctions that we proudly display them to the world. We talk about we saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, but glad that you see the picture of us drunk. We talk about, I'm a member of Restore Life Bible Church. Jordan, do you like this? And we promote our church. But if I go in your photos, we got all kinds of booty pictures. Why is it that they want to take a picture of our face, but as soon as the camera gets ready to shoot, we do this? And the sad part of it is we're proud of it as Christians. But but when I said, let's put it up on the screen, everybody was going, no, no, no. If you're proud enough to show it to the world, why not be proud enough to show it in church? The reason is that our mattresses are multi-layered. We have everything that we want everybody to see on top, but when you go to digging under there, we got some other stuff, pillar top on the top, but then we got some other stuff. There you go, y'all helping me preach. Fluff on the top, but a bunch of mess down underneath. There's a reason it's prophetic that they call it Facebook. Because I got to ask you, how many faces do you have? I can look at one page and see everything about you. I can see that you go to church, but you don't believe in the church you go to. By going from one page to another. And what we do is we show all of our faces. This is me when I'm saved. This is me when I'm not. This is me when I want to live holy. This is me when I want to look hoish. This is me when I'm dreaming about the things of God. This is me when I'm drunk on the wine of men. 
How many faces do you have? I told you I was going to do a series on Facebook, and this ain't the start of it, but it just hit me, so I just went on Merry Christmas. Yeah, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, how many faces do you have? There are people who are looking at your page for inspiration, but find insurrection. You have us fooled with the with 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 the, the, the snippets that you send us. But then when we go to your page, we find that you are not nothing like you sent out to me. And the problem, yeah, 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 yeah. We we saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, yet when we get mad, we go and cuss everybody out on Facebook. And use all of the words. Howdy, what's your mood today? Effed up. Why in the age that all of these MFs looking at me with all of this S and because they don't know how to treat, I hate all them Y'all know every word I'm... And then in the next hour you say, now Jesus is Lord. You're a lie. You sleeping on the mattress of insecurity and messiness, yet you want God to bless you. Yeah, yeah. You want God to heap success on you while you sit in a three-legged chair. And God cannot bless you because you don't have the foundation to hold it. And you're wondering, God, why you're not answering my prayer? Uh, 2010 is over, and you have not done what you said. That's because you are not who you say you are. And many of us, God has sent our, our, here, our miracle to our address, but we had to return the sender because the postman didn't recognize who stayed there. This is for you, Pastor you don't look like Pastor John right now. And I can't give this to just anybody. I'm about to get into something else. Look at your neighbor and say, what are you sleeping on? Do you sleep on a mood mattress? They used to have a ring out called the mood ring. And the mood ring used to change colors based on what mood you were in. And the ring came with a little pamphlet, and the pamphlet had all of the colors and said, if it turns red, then you are this. If it turns black, then you are this. If it turns green, then your mood is this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mattress is so soiled with depression and unhealed hurts and unpursued aspirations and regretted decisions that I do not know who I am from day to day. I'm up today, I'm down tomorrow. I'm happy today, I'm depressed today. I'm, I, I feel good, no, I feel bad. I, I, I like you, no, I don't like you. You my friend, not really. You're not really my friend. I, I'm trusting you, I can't trust nobody. I'm gonna help you, I'm keeping everything to myself. You're sleeping, I don't know who you are. And the sad thing about it is you don't either. 
I'm preaching more than y'all saying amen in here. Here's your mattress, number three, soiled with excuses. Let's get back in the Bible since y'all think I'm too far away from it. Verse 7 says, the sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Most of us come to church with questions, looking for answers. But once we find what we're looking for, we leave without being concerned about anybody else's question. You got to understand this man's dilemma. This man has been at the same pool, the same water, doing the same thing for 38 years. And what he has found is everybody around him that gets healed does not hang around the pool anymore. So they come to the pool and step in the water. And after they come out of the water, they leave the pool. And there's no one there that is healed to help the hurting. There's no one there that is delivered to minister to the undelivered. There is no one there who is healed that will help the sick. Uh, that's the way it is at church. We get what we want and we go. We don't even hang around to shake nobody's hand to fellowship. We, we don't even hang around to say, well, how you doing? What's going on with you? We get our grip and we gone because we got what we need. Nobody stays around to help somebody else. Nobody takes a moment to just give a testimony to your neighbor about how good God had been to you this week because you got yours. That's why y'all can't bring nobody to church because you got yours. And you don't stay around the pool long enough to help somebody else. That's why that seat next to you got your extra hips on it. Y'all will get that when you get home. Because you couldn't get nobody, you couldn't help nobody, and you didn't want nobody taking up your extra hip room. So you want us to stay small. Because you, the insecurity is, if we grow, you're not as important as you once were. If you grow... I won't have the prestige or the seat that I have. So let me keep it sick so that it won't grow. But let me say this. Whether it's sick or not, it will grow. But the problem is, if it grows sick, then it becomes pus infected. That's the problem that we're having in many of our churches right now. We're growing fast, but we're growing sick. And one thing about an infection, it don't show up at first. It gets big before it shows out. 
And when the symptoms show up, you're already big, and now stuff is leaking everywhere. And it becomes an embarrassment. <laughs> because we grew, but we wasn't well. And that's because nobody stayed around to see about the other sick. So you have sick people trying to help sick people. And you don't have enough strength to help somebody else who has the same similar or even different condition than you are, than you have. So now we make excuses. I ain't got enough room. I ain't got enough time. I asked somebody, and they told me to pick them up, but I can't pick them up. I, they asked me. I told them that uh, I would help them, but I can't help them. We make excuses. Money tight. Uh, um, I'm tired. Uh, I didn't have a day off. Uh, uh, um, car ain't riding right. Uh, I didn't get a chance to take it through the car wash, get it clean. I don't want nobody riding in my dirty car. And, and, and We make excuses. Is this the bed that you... A lying on. If this man had have made it to the water, he wouldn't have been healed because he was too attached to his mattress. Too attached. I hate my mattress. Yet I can't live without it. I hate where my life is taking me. Yet I can't see myself living no other way. Jesus had the remedy for this man's dilemma. Now this is interesting. If an angel comes down once or twice a year to trouble the water and everybody who gets in the water, is healed. Jesus was the one who ordered the angel. It would seem to me that if Jesus ordained the miracle power of the water, why didn't Jesus tell the man to go get in the water? If I want chocolate cake and my mama has chocolate cake at the house and I ask my mama for chocolate cake, my mama is not going to make another cake. What she's going to tell me is I got chocolate cake at the house. Go to the house and get the chocolate cake I've already made. But Jesus, who ordained the troubling of the water, did not send the man to the water he had already troubled. He saved that for somebody else. Because Jesus knew that the water wouldn't fix this man's trouble. The only thing that could fix this man is to separate him from what he laid on. 
Verse 8, if you think I'm lying, says Jesus said to him, rise. This is the key. Take up your bed. In other words, move it from where you've had it. Change it from where it's been. And walk. Because of Jesus, your mattress is no longer your testament. But it's your testimony. Now, I asked the Lord, I said, now God, why you didn't tell the man to throw the mattress away? That mattress nasty. And in order to heal this man, you had to make sure that he was away from his mattress. Yet, Jesus, you told this man to keep his mattress with him. But stop laying on it. And God, I wonder why you told this man to do it like that. And when I asked God why, he gave me a definition. He said, son, what is the meaning of the word testament? I said, God, it's two books in the Bible, two divisions. One old and one new. Where am I? Yes, a D flat or E flat. Ah, he said, I said one old and one new. He said, well, you're right about that. He said, give me another uh, definition of the word testament. And I said, it's something that people write out before they die. If I want to leave my $2.55 to somebody, I write out a last will and testament. And that means they will get my last $2.35. Yeah, he said, you're right about that, John. He said, well, give me another definition of the word testament. And I got stuck right there. I said, Lord, what is another definition of the word testament? He said, a testament is a statement of belief. I said, you playing with me, God? He said, no, I'm not. It's a step test statement of belief. I say, I get it now, God. You mean to tell me you had to change the way the man believed in himself? I said, he said, yes. I made him keep what he used to believe. Instead of laying on his old beliefs, I made him raise up his old beliefs so that people can see how he used to be and how he is now. And as a matter of fact, I'm using his old belief system to be a change agent for somebody else. So what used to be his testament has now become his testimony. I'm done now, I'm getting ready to go home. Yeah, Lord, I feel like preaching a little bit here. What I came to tell somebody, I 
thank God for changing my mattress. Yes, I used to lay on depression, but thank God he changed my mattress. I used to lay on despair, but thank God he changed my mattress. I used to lay on a whole lot of hurts, but I thank God he changed my mattress. I laid down on past traumas and unmet needs, but I thank God he changed my mattress. I used to lay on disappointments, but thank God he changed my mattress. Did he change anybody under my voice? Yeah, 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 yeah. I dealt with uncontrolled passions, but he changed my mattress. I dealt with a whole lot of abuse, but he changed my mattress. I dealt with all types of promiscuities, but he changed my mattress. I was sick, but he changed it. I was drunk, and he changed it. I had unnatural affections, but he changed it. I thank God for changing my mattress. had the same idea in mind when he got to the 23rd Psalm. And verse 2 he said, for he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. That's all David was saying. I used to lay on hard rocks. I used to lay on the hard dirt. But he makes me lie down in green pastures. He changed my mattress. Yeah! Yeah! I came to tell somebody you ought to be thankful that God got you carrying the thing you used to lay on. I used to lay on this, but I can carry it now as a testimony. If God could separate me from my mess, he can separate you. Yes, yes. The problem is that many of us are ashamed of our mattress. So when we get delivered, we try to throw the mattress away. But the Lord said, you got a period of separation. Good God Almighty, this ain't in my notes, but thank you, Holy Ghost. He said, when you're getting divorced, you spend a period of separation, getting yourself used to being away from the thing that bothered you or the person that you had problems with. And what I'm doing in the midst of your testimony is slowly separating you from your mess. Every time somebody asks you about it, you got 
to tell them it was Jesus that separated me from this. And the more you tell it, the more you become convinced that after a while you throw that mess away and you don't want it no more. And you thank God that he separated you from your mattress. That's all I came to tell you. Thank you, Lord, for changing my mattress. I'm done now. On my way to my seat. But thank you, Jesus, for allowing me to get up so you can change what I laid down on. Thank you, Lord. That mattress was too hard. Thank you, Lord. That mattress had too many dents in it. Thank you, Lord. That mattress felt like corn cobs. Thank you, Lord. That mattress felt like rocks. But now I'm resting in you. I'm no longer living in my insecurities. I'm resting in you. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing me to rest in you. I'm done now. Look at your neighbor. Quit looking at me and say, neighbor, I came to tell you, thank God for removing my mattress and I want to tell you if he did it for me he'll do it for you if you believe it shout yeah yeah thank you God for changing my mattress <laughs>